Welcome to today's studies, Bible College Curriculum. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, now let me go ahead and pray for you. So go ahead and put your hand on your heart. Some of you may have to put it on your temples. Let's pray. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. The Lord makes you lie down in green pastures and leaves you beside the still waters. The Lord restores your soul. The Lord leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though you walk through this valley of the shadow of doubt, you will fear no evil. For the Lord God, his rod and his staff are right beside you. The Lord has prepared a table before you in the presence of his enemies. The Lord has anointed your head with oil. Your cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow you. All the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Remember, with God, all things are possible. Matthew nineteen twenty six. And expect a miracle. By the blood of the Lamb and the wonderful water, speaking joy. Drinking plenty of water, imagining the blood, and saying through the Holy Spirit, Yeah, the supplies will come. If we should have them, they will surely come in Jesus' name. Amen. We keep hope alive. We keep hope alive. <clears throat> we send up beautiful prayers that the angels have something to work on and bring us back to us. Amen and amen. Hope, hope, faith, and love. Hope is the picture. Faith is the action towards the picture. And love is loving there, here, the whole process. Amen. That's the objective, to be in love and hope and dreams get us there. Amen. Sounds good to me, huh? I've heard a lot of people talk about what hope is. But with this one pastor, T.L. Osborne, he passed away. He said, hope is the picture. Faith is the action towards the picture. And love is... I don't remember what he said about love, but love is the goal for all of us to receive the goal, to receive the love of the Father. That is our goal. That's the reason so many people, we hurt ourselves. We pound beers away. We look at it. We're in need of God's love. When we're going through the um, through those addictions of YouTube or football, baseball, basketball, we're yearning for more of the love. We can't seem to find it. It's elusive to some of us. Where is the love? Give me the love, Lord. Give me more of you. Funny, a lot of times the love is in what we're doing here. In reading the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures, and then boom, God's will, God's love, God's encouragement pops out of the scriptures. So here we go, folks. Hang on. Unless Jesus 
Beam us up, please. Beam us up into another world for a few minutes. Respectfully, in Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. August the 14th. Don't underestimate your prayers. Article by Kennedy Gloria Copeland. I exhort you, therefore, that first of all, all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, to for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. I exhort, therefore, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made to all men. I want to stop on giving thanks. Giving thanks to God at least we get God's attention and we give thanks for senators, police officers, and everyone. We give them, when we give thanks, we apply love to them. And we apply love because we're giving thanks to God for their position. For the position and the principles that they were made to uphold. Giving thanks for them. In the Passion Translation, 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, it says, most of all, I'm writing to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God. Pray for all men with all forms of prayer and requests as you intercede with intense passion. And pray for every political leader and representative so that we would be able to live tranquil and undisturbed lives as we worship the all-inspiring God with pure hearts. And number three, it says, It is pleasing to our Savior God to pray for them. He longs for everyone to embrace his life and return to the full knowledge of the truth. And then it says, For God is one, and there is one mediator between God and the sons of men, the true man, Jesus, the anointed one. He gave himself as ransom payment for everyone. Now is the proper time for God to give the world the, this witness. I have been divinely called as an apostle to preach this revelation, which is the truth. God has called me to be a trustworthy teacher to the nations. Therefore, I encourage the man to pray on every occasion with hands lifted to God in worship with clean hearts, free from frustration and strife. Amen. Isn't that amazing? It was praying just what the uh, pilgrims uh, read this and they started a new nation because the old nation back in England or wherever was corrupt. You know, they wanted you to worship a certain way and wouldn't leave you alone. Right here is we are to pray for them to get saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is the truth. Everybody says, what's the truth? The truth is that Jesus is Lord creator of everything. Jesus died for our sins. That's the truth. Jesus, our Savior, God, wants everyone to turn to the full knowledge of his love. For God is one, and there is one mediator between God and the sons of men, the true man, Jesus, the anointed one. He gave himself as ransom payment for everyone. Now is the proper time for God to give the world this witness, this truth. I have been divinely called. Amen. So we have, we bump our heads in the world. We go into the job site and everything. And the truth is that we should be beaming with the truth. 
beaming in our hearts with love, beaming in our hearts with joy, beaming in our hearts with a witness to others that we have been with the anointed and sanctified and redeemed with the creator of the world. That's the truth, folks. The truth is people will read it in our smiles. You know, there's some people in the neighborhood that I can easily snap a smile to. And there's other people that I don't seem to uh, to bring it up naturally. And probably because they're not saved. Probably because they'll take it wrong or something. But there's some people I have prayed for and I smile like they're already in you know, stop the drinking and all the craziness coming from that house. You know, my love for them is the same love that God has for them. And it started with uh, compassion and seeing that, you know, they were locked in a lot of turmoil in their families, you know. And, there were, and I still pray for them. And they have received the message. They have received the message and they have considered it, you know. They would make great uh, Jesus revolutionary hippies. <laughs> so please pray for them, for me, please, my neighbors. Thank you. All right, let's get back to our teaching here before it becomes the Fernando Show, but it's Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. Um, 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. This verse is clear, isn't it? The instructions is plain. Yet even in these tumultuous days, when our nation is so desperately in need of God's guidance, most of God's people don't do what this verse commands. Why not? I believe it's because most of us are overwhelmed by the problems we see around us. How could we pray? How could my prayers make a dent in the nation debt? We think, how could my fate affect foreign policy? In other words, we fail to pray because we fail to realize just how powerfully our prayers can affect this country. It's time we caught hold of that. It's time we realized that if we just be obedient to 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, there's no council of any kind on earth, no king, no president, no congress, or anything that could overthrow God's purpose for his people. God has called us to intercede. He has commanded us to pray for those in authority. He has given us his word, his power, his name, his authority, and his faith. I like that. His faith. God has given us his action faith. We have all the tools to pray effectively for our government and its leaders. I urge you to intercede, says Crane Copeland. It is your responsibility as a believer and Paul to get involved in the affairs of our country. God wants this great land of ours and the only way he's going to get it is through his ambassadors, you and I. <clears throat> pray for your nation. Let's pray for our, our nation every day and never again underestimate the world-changing power of those prayers. And reading of Daniel 1 through 30. You know, I, I believe I read all this already, but I don't think I recorded it. I was reading it to, to get myself familiar with it. All right, let's go to Daniel one through thirty, and let's uh, let's have some fun. Let's read it in the uh, Message Bible. See how they uh, <clears throat> they put. He flew off the handle, and he threatened everybody to throw him and kill him. And 
if they didn't tell him his dream. Isn't that amazing? I'm writing, I, gotta, I go to U version, and they're fabulous. You know, there's there's also the other one, the uh, Bible Gateway that we use a lot. It's pretty cool, Bible Gateway. Because they have more translations. I notice it has more translations. In it. But I'm so used to using this one. And believe me, I have enough translations to read. You know, it's amazing when somebody, people come up to us and they say, well, we got to read the lost books of... Uh, you know, the lost books of Enoch, you know, have a Bible. I say, have you read the books of Moses? Have you read all the Gospels? Why are you going to dip into, you know, you you keep thinking there's something more. The truth is there's nothing more but Jesus Christ that he's given us the love of the Father. That's the objective, you know. That's the objective for all men, that we have the love of the Father in our hearts. Without, there's nothing more. It's only God's love through Jesus Christ. That's the only truth. Wow. All that coffee I drank this morning, huh? Second Samuel, Second Daniel, Daniel 2, 1 through 30. King Nebuchadnezzar's dream with the Message Bible. In the second year of his reign, King Nebuchadnezzar started having dreams that disturbed him deeply. He couldn't sleep. He called in all the Babylonian magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and fortune tellers to interpret his dream for him. When they came and lined up before the king, he said to them, I had a dream that I can get out of my mind. I can't sleep until I know what it means. The fortune tellers speaking in, in the Aramic language said, Long live the king. Tell us the dream and we will interpret it. The king answered the fortune tellers. This is my decree. If you can tell me both the dream itself and its interpretation, I'll have you ripped to pieces. I'll have you known limb from limb and your homes torn down. But if you tell me both the dream and its interpretation, I'll lavish you with gifts and honors. So go to it. Tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered, If it pleases your majesty, tell us the dream. We'll give the interpretation. But the king said, I know what you're up to. You're just playing for time. You know you're cornered. You know that if you can't tell me my dream, you're out and out doomed. I see right through you. You're going to slap together some fancy stories and confuse the issue until I change my mind. No way. First, tell me the dream, then I'll know that you are on the up and up with the interpretation and not just blowing smoke in my eyes. <laughs> the fortune teller said, Nobody anywhere can do what you're asking, king, and no king, great or small, has ever demanded anything like this from any magician, enchanter, or fortune teller. What you're asking is impossible unless some god or goddess should reveal it and they don't hang around with people like us. <laughs> that set the king off. He lost his temper and ordered the whole company of Babylonian wise men killed. When the death warrant was issued, Daniel and his companions were included. They also were 
marked for execution. When Ariel, chief of the royal guards, was making arrangements for the execution, Daniel wisely took him aside and quietly asked him what was going on. What's up? Why this all of a sudden? After Ariel filled in the background, Daniel went to the king and asked him for a little time so that he could interpret the dream. Daniel then went home and told his companions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what was going on. He asked them to pray to the God of heaven for mercy in solving this mystery so that the four of them wouldn't be killed along with the whole company of Babylon's wise men. That night, the answer of the mystery was given to Daniel in a vision. Daniel blessed the God of heaven, saying, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. He knows all, does all. He changes the season and guides history. He raises up kings and also brings them down. He provides both intelligence and discernment. He opens up the depths, tells secrets, sees in the dark, lights spills out of him. God of all my ancestors, all thanks, all praise. You made me wise and strong. And now you've shown us what we asked for. You solved the king's mystery. So Daniel went back to Aria, who had been put in charge of the execution. He said, call off the execution. Take me to the king and I'll interpret his dream. Ariok didn't lose a minute. He ran to the king, bringing Daniel with him. He said, I found a man from the exiles of Judah who can interpret the king's dream. The king asked Daniel, renamed in Babylon, Belshazzar, Are you sure you can do this? Tell me the dream I had and interpret it for me. Daniel answered the king, no mere human can solve the king's mystery. I don't care who it is. No wise man, enchanter, magician, div diviner. But there is a God in heaven who solves mystery, and he has solved this one. He is letting King Nebuchadnezzar in on what is going on to happen in the days ahead. This is the dream you had when you were lying on your bed. The vision that filled your mind. While you were stretched out on your bed, O king, thoughts came to you regarding what is coming in the days ahead. The revealer of mystery showed you what will happen, but the interpretation is given through me. Not because I'm any smarter than anyone else in the country, but so that you will know what it means, so that you will understand what you dreamed. What you saw, O king, was a huge statue standing before you, striking in appearance and terrifying. Okay, you go ahead and read the rest for yourself. I'm only to read up to 30, and the Holy Spirit just reminded me. The idea is, is that we go into the heavens with all our hearts, write it down, make a journal of it, and make write down petitions and get on your knees and get the petition up to God, rewrite it, rewrite it, and keep sending in the request, whatever you want. Speak in tongues, fast and pray, and ask God for change. One of the scriptures that I love for changing a situation that, that we know we shouldn't be in, and but we're locked in, 
maybe we made too many promises and so forth, is in um, Psalms, Psalms verse, um, let me see, Psalms 18, verse 1, 2, and 3. Writing that one down in your Bible, in your prayer requests, in your journal as a basis. And there's a song in verse 3 that I recommend that you you begin to sing it. It's uh, There's a song, in, so you go out through the day singing the song. And the song is, I will call upon the Lord. Who is worthy to be praised? So shall I be safe from my enemies. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and blessed be the rock of my salvation. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and blessed be the rock of my salvation. Amen. Folks, we got to do that. You want to pray for a child? Make sure you always thank God for the child before you go for the request. Thank you, God, for this child just the way he is. Thank you, God. Only God can bring the answer. Only God can interpret, not us. Not with our yelling and screaming and threatening and, and worrying. We come in with thanksgiving that we have a child. Thanksgiving. God sees the value in human beings a thousand times more than we do. And we offend him when we come. Oh, don't you see so-and-so? And then God says, well, you did the same thing when you were earlier. How did people forgive you? So the best way is to go in and say, thank you, God, for my child. I thank you for him just the way he is. Let God be God. Don't tell God how you, the, the qualities of the child just shut up and tell it, say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And then say the, say the words on Psalm 18, 1, 2, and 3. Let me go over there and read it. I don't know if you're convinced. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to input words into the heavens that make a change, and we get words back. Words are the germinating factor of change. Words make a difference in our existence. That's what we're made of. That's our makeup, words. And that's why we exercise these words. I'm reading to you from the uh, Passion Translation. I don't know how it goes. Let's try it. It says, Lord, I passionately love you and, and I'm bonded to you. Now, I'm asking you to write all this down in a journal and a prayer request to God. I want to embrace you, for now you become my power. You're as real to me as bedrock beneath my feet, like a castle on a cliff, my forever firm fortress, my mountain of hiding, my pathway of escape, my tower of rescue where no one can reach me, my secret strength and shield around me. You are salvation's ray of brightness shining on the hillside, Always the champion of my cause. Here's verse 3. All I need to do is to call to you, singing to you, the praiseworthy God. When I do, I'm safe and sound in you. All I need to do is call to you, singing to you, in the singing, folks, is the action, the praiseworthy God. When I do, 
I'm safe and sound in you. Amen. So we have to qualify for that. We qualify with verse 1 and 2 by passionate writing it down in all our hearts and minds and soul and tell them we're bonded together, Lord, and going through all his benefits. And then the culmination of the prayer is your singing all day long. The singing is our belief system that God has heard us. We're acting like it's a done deal. I love you. Thank you for listening to my too much coffee today. <laughs> Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, move to the 15th. Okay. Thank you so much for hanging in there. It's going to be a long day. I got the time. I got the luxury time that God has provided. Time and money and health and truth. God has provided all that. And I'd like to spend it with you. Evidence of a miracle. Kenneth Copeland. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Amen. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now, right now, in this present tense, faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, you know the, the deal. For evidence, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Don't ever shortcut, short-circuit a miracle by trying to see it in progress. So many believers do that. They lay hands on someone and pray for healing or deliverance. And then when they don't see any immediate outward change take place, they'll withdraw from their faith and assume nothing happened. The Lord taught me an unforgettable lesson about this once when I was in Jamaica. I was preaching to a group of people, about 150 of them, in a church that was lighted only by a single kerosene lantern. It was so dark I couldn't see anyone's faces. All I could see was my Bible and the feet of the man right in front of me. Suddenly I realized that I always depended on the facial expressions of the people I was preaching to to determine how my sermon was being received. Knowing what I did about faith, I knew that was dangerous. So I made a quality decision at that moment never to preach another sermon except by faith. I would not be swayed by the expressions of people. Before that series of meetings was over, I just saw how important that decision could be. The Jamaicans, who tend to show very little expression anyway, sat through every sermon without any outward reaction at all. One lady was completely healed of blindness during one of those meetings. She never left on the on that anything had taken place. She never let on that anything had taken place. I don't understand. She never let on. Okay, she, she didn't tell anybody. She didn't divulge that anything had taken place. She was almost rigid, rigid when she found me outside and said simply, Wow. Brother Compline, I was blind, but now I can say thank you. That was all. A miracle had taken place, and by watching, you wouldn't have been able to tell anything had happened at all. Next time you're tempted to evaluate what God is doing by the looks of things, don't do it. 
Remember instead that it is faith, not appearances, that makes miracles happen. It's the only real evidence that you need. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Okay, let's go ahead and read it in the... uh, All right, let's go ahead and go in the uh, Message Bible again. It's always a lot of fun. Um, Hebrews. Who makes coffee? Hebrews it. Hebrews. Chapter 11, verse 1. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that faith is what we don't see, but we can feel it. We thank you for the love of what faith is. We thank you for instructing us, Lord, in being good at faith, hope, and love, Lord. Our objectives, so we can help others, Lord. Thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for healing us of all our ailments. Lord, we declare that we're whole, we're healed. Lord, we declare that we are rich, as your word says. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let those words take effect, Lord, in our lives. Everyone say, I am rich. Everyone say, I am strong. Everyone say, for what the Lord has done to me. Amen. Amen and amen. All right, Hebrews 11, Message Bible. The fundamental fact of existence is that this truth, this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can see. The act of faith is what distinguishes our ancestors, set them above the crowd. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. That what we see created by what we don't see. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. Okay, family, let's go ahead and go back. We must. I must have missed something. Now, Hebrews 11.1, 1, we got to understand the message writers. And the first verse says, the fundamental fact of existence, our fundamental existence is this, is that this trust in God, that we trust in God, this faith, okay, they're calling trust faith. In other words, duh, I didn't even have that duh. There was a time in my my life that I did not trust, folks. When you're out there drinking and brawling and in your own attitude and and trying to run your own life without God thank God for a compassionate society that sends you to a 12-step program where you can find the existence of God all over again and get faith hope truth believing all back again which are fundamental uh, gifts from God grace and mercy fundamental gifts for survival to live a life worth living for one to get out of the curse to get you know there's to get away from the curse 
the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Hallelujah. Well said. It is our handle on what we can see. Our handle. It's the love, folks. It's the love that this world is good. It's the love that helps us to expect the miracle. It's this trust in God, this faith. And he gets the credit. That's why we give him thanks. That's why we give thanks for knuckleheads because it gives us more love, more faith, more hope. We have to grow, folks. It is the easier, softer way to grow and pray for our enemies. Let go and let God and follow instructions. It's our handle on what we can see. The act of faith, our prayers, okay, the act of faith is what distinguishes our ancestors. Set them above the crowd. Hallelujah. And you know, the act of faith is doing actions. By faith, by prayer, supplication, we see that the world called into existence by God's word. I'm sure he, he thought about it and prayed about it and boom. What we see created by what we don't see. By an act of faith, Abel did the same thing, brought about a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteous. After all, these centuries that that belief continues to catch our notice. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They, they looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know on the basis of reliability testimony, that's before he was taken up. He pleased God. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists, that we are in love with him, and that he cares enough and his love for us to respond to those who seek him. He cares enough to accept us when we seek him. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of the dry land. He was named, excuse me, he was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. Did you hear that? By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of the dry land. By faith, we pray to God and for his existence, for his love and for his conversion of people. He was warned, we were warned, about something we couldn't see, judgment coming. And we acted on what we were told. The results, our family was saved. Our act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil and the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world and the unity of the other believers. As a result, now Noah became intimate with God. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country, promised him, lived as a strange camping in tents, as a stranger. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real eternal foundations. The city designed and built by God. By faith, Baron Sarah was able to become pregnant, old woman as she was at that time, because she believed 
the one who made a promise would do what he said. That's how it happened that from one man's dead and shriveled loins, there are now people numbering into the millions. Each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting, and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for the true home, for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back any time they wanted. But they were after a far better country, but they were after a far better country than that, heavenly country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Amen. And I was only supposed to read all the way to 13. Amen. That's good enough. Thank you so much. Let's go ahead and move on to our next reading. Our next reading will be the 16th. I'm giving you a lot today. Let's see how my battery is holding. Okay. A Firm Foundation by Kenneth Copeland. John 15, 17 says, These things I command you. That you love one another. These things I command you, that you love one another. John 15, let me take a look in a different translation. Uh, 17, let's see what the passion. Jesus says in the message, it says, But remember the root command, love one another. All right, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to tell me something, and he's telling me what I bumped into is I couldn't love myself, and I tried loving you. Try that for a while and see how long that lasts. Could last for years and years until you, some little thing throws you off, <clears throat> throws us off the trajectory, and we become discontent and angry and ugly all over again. Amen. And that happens a lot in serving and Bible studies and so forth. Oh, I'm just saying. All right. I'm reading to you from the Passion Translation. 1517 says, So this is my partial command, parting command. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. Love one another deeply. Wow. So the thing comes to mind is interceding for one another. You know, sometimes just interceding Psalm 23 for fellow believers, Psalm 23, and we won't subconsciously react badly to them. You ever react badly to someone subconsciously? I used to, and I said, wow, I wonder why. So I would pray Psalm 23, and I would break that, whatever subconsciously was, and then I would treat them with joy because I put it in the time, folks. I put in the time and the effort. I was commanded to love that person. So I learned what if that one person activated many other things where I was wrong. I did something wrong and I needed to make it right. And that person helps me make it right. I don't have to write it down and go back and go to a psychiatrist and talk about somebody in the past. 
when our God, our, our psychiatrist, he will send us new bumping heads so we can learn and apply properly, apply, apply instruction. They need salvation, first of all, God's command. Love them, so we pray for them. Psalm 23, day and night, three times a day, get it over with. Once we wake up and we don't think about them, we don't even give it thought anymore, we've done our deal. Then when we bump bid to them, there's just nothing but joy, laughter, and good productivity, okay? I'm telling you, folks, we can do this. We can engineer a program that will allow us to be productive here in God's commandments. Love one another. You know, if you don't, if I don't love me, how can I love you? So I have to pray Psalm 23 for me, for, and thank God I messed up. Thank God I done all those wrong things and let it go and let God in. So sometimes the only way to open up a heart and let love God is to say, "Thank you, God, I did that. Thank you, God, I was wrong. Thank you, God, I stole it, I screwed it, I connived it, I jived it, I arsoned it." I betrayed it, mutiny in the bounty, you know. Uh, thank you, God, the only, for giving me the antidote. Mercy, forgiveness, laughter, and joy are now my purposes for moving around. Amen. All right, well, Kenneth Copeland is getting very little attention here in my my Holy Spirit is going off on me, so we welcome that, right? Everyone say amen. Okay, let's go ahead and pray all over again. Let's let's start a new prayer since uh, we're in a row here. I feel it. Say, Jesus, I trust you. Say that. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I'm expecting a miracle. Jesus, I'm expecting a miracle. Thank you, Jesus, for the miracle in your word. Thank you for the revelation in your word. Thank you for the love in your word. May I learn to forgive myself and love myself first. As you have forgiven me, and I accept your love and your forgiveness and your grace, your gift, your gift that you're giving to me. I accept your gift, Jesus. I accept the gift of forgiving myself. And I accept the gift of forgiving others. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we let it go and let God be in Jesus' name. Amen. These things I command you that you love one another. In Luke 6, 47 and 48, Jesus said, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom Compare him how he is like. He is like a man which builds a house and digs deep and lays the foundation on a rock. And when the floods arose, the streams beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. That's probably a familiar scripture to you, but today I want you to do something new with it. I want you to put it together with what Jesus said in John fifteen seventeen. These things I command you that you love one another. Love, that one word sums up all Jesus said to us for us to do. 
If you build your life on it, even the most violent storms on this world will be unable to shake you. It will make you solid in every area of your life. If you build your family on love, you can win back those the devil has stolen from you. You can win them to Jesus with the love of God. If you build your business on love, you'll probably you'll prosper beyond your wildest dreams. I had a friend who did that. He went into a television and radio business in his church. He wanted to buy a station from a Jewish man, and he offered such a good price for it that the owner was stunned. Why would you offer me such a wonderful price, asked the Jewish owner. Because the Word of God says that if I will bless you, God will bless me. So I'm going to see that to it that you get the better part of this deal, answered my friend. Before it was all over, that Jewish station owner had made Jesus Lord of his life. He and my friend ended up prospering and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ together on the radio. When love rules, prosperity can flow. Commit to living the life of love today. Commit to building your house upon the rock. Then when the storms of life begin to blow at home, at work, or any situation... You can enjoy the solid security of knowing that love never fails. Amen. And now let's go read uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13. Eight through 13. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be ever over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limits. We know only a portion of the truth. And what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete, when the complete arrives, our incomplete will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see the things clearly. We are squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We see it all then. We see it all clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unservingly, love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. Oh, just five verses. And with that, let me go ahead and read it in another translation. Uh, was that First Corinthians? First Corinthians 13. I'm almost there. I'm reading to you from the Passion Translation. And we're almost there, folks. We're almost there. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Love never stops loving. Ha <laughs> ha, isn't that beautiful? Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial, but when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, 
For I saw things like a child and reason like a child, but the day came when I matured and set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries, as through reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpassed them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful price for which you run. Amen and amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, family, for coming on today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift up his counts and give you peace. Amen. And be established in every way, way in love.